It's Thursday, January 19th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Stock Advisor Jason Moser and from Motley Fool Inside Value Joe Mager. Gentlemen, happy Thursday. Happy, happy Thursday. Thursday. We will talk Southwest Airlines, Kodak, and we will dip into the Fool mailbag, but we are going to start with eBay. Shares up 4% this morning after a strong earnings report. Uh, Joe, part of that was the finalizing of the sale of Skype to Microsoft, yep. but PayPal as uh, seems to always be the case, had a, a strong quarter. What did you make of eBay's quarter? Oh, it was great. Yeah, once you cut through kind of the you know fluctuating numbers from Skype, you see the underlying performance very strong. Uh, eBay itself, eBay.com, grew more active users last quarter than it has in any quarter in years. So you can see the results of their big marketing push really starting to pay off. PayPal grew revenue 28%, which is pretty heady by just about any standard. Uh, they grew... Their revenue, I'm sorry, their active user base up to 106 million people. So now they're adding about a million new users per PayPal for PayPal each month. And they're spending about $1,000 each year with PayPal. And that's accelerating. So a year ago, that was 8% less. A year before that, it was 6% less. And so it's really, as an investor, exciting to see not just growth, but accelerating growth in that business. Amazon is reporting uh, its latest earnings later this month, and the analyst expectations for Amazon, when you when you compare it to just the marketplace uh, division of eBay, sort of the, the the core business, separating out PayPal, the expectations from analysts for Amazon are more than twice uh, what eBay just delivered. Um, to what extent is eBay um, essentially having its lunch money taken by Amazon? Well, two things. One, you're paying about four times the PE multiple for Amazon that you are for eBay. So that's something to keep in mind if you're thinking about buying. The second is operationally, yeah, I mean, Amazon's out hustling virtually everyone. Now, that said, I do think eBay, the CEO in particular, has done a nice job of coming in, cleaning house. Uh, He's removed 75 of the top 100 executives from the time when he started, refreshed the site, focused it more on new products and feeling uh, much more invigorated Mm -hmm. than it used to be, whereas basically it just used to be an online garage sale. They've moved more towards a fixed price format and has treated them very well. And I think you're starting to see, you know, a real ramp up in growth. And are they blowing the lights out? No. But are they executing very well? Yes, and I think that that strategy, along with continuing to you know keep nursing PayPal along, should treat shareholders very well. Jason, what yeah, do you think? I think you're right. I mean, when you look at eBay and Amazon, I mean, you're looking really at I think two fundamentally different investments. And Joe made note of, of Amazon trading at a you know much higher multiple. And I mean that's I mean that's for good reason. I mean you're, you have a company here that's very forward thinking and, and constantly innovating. New with Jeff Bezos, you know they just sold uh, over one million Kindles per week in the month of December alone to have their best holiday season on record ever for Kindles. And so with their whole idea of getting that device out into people's hands in order to basically grow that online marketplace. Amazon is one of those companies that continues to innovate. At eBay and PayPal, it, they're hitting the reset button a little bit, I guess, and making themselves a, a better, more profitable operation, as Joe said. I think you have room for both of those companies in a portfolio oh, to yeah. do really well. Yeah, and they focus on different parts of the market, too. And you know, Amazon is basically competing against a lot of its own customers. Mm-hmm. So it's a third-party seller. Like If you go on Amazon and you search for Orgain, which is this nutritional drink that I have that Tom G. (laughs) recommended, it's wildly overpriced, but very healthy. Um, You'll see that Amazon sells it, but so do third-party sellers. Well, Amazon is basically competing against a lot of its own clients being third-party sellers, whereas eBay's position is much more merchant-friendly 
And they are basically the anti-Amazon in the sense that it's like, look, we want to help merchants maximize ROIs and convert more sales, not compete with them. And I guess the other thing I just, you know, when you look at eBay and PayPal and the success that PayPal has had thus far, and I know we've talked about it before, but just, I mean, after a report like this, what do you think about the possibility of PayPal spinning off into its own entity at some point? I mean, is that I, something that would happen, do you think? Or? Yeah, I definitely think it's going to happen. I still think it's a ways off, though. The GSI Commerce acquisition has been going very well. So most people aren't familiar with it. But basically, GSI is the company that hosts websites for other online retailers. So Dick Sporting Goods being an example. They host Dick's Experience mm-hmm. online. The nice thing about this deal for eBay, they've started pushing PayPal is a payment feature on more of these sites on mm-hmm. GSI. And that's allowed for a lot more conversions on PayPal. So bottom line, they're seeing a lot of synergy by owning that. And I think you're going to see a lot more of those kind of synergies coming together over time. But eventually, you will see PayPal spun off because there's just too much value there. Well, and isn't the competition uh, that PayPal is facing, isn't that growing too? Because you've got Google Wallet, Visa, MasterCard, you know, and frankly, if I'm one of the big Wall Street banks, if I'm Bank of America, and I look at how PayPal is just crushing it quarter after quarter, uh, don't I want a piece of that pie? You do, but you're too late. Uh, PayPal's <laughs> been around for a decade, you know, and they've got 106 million active users. They've got more acceptance than any other small fry player. And, you know, the visas of the world who, you know, I own shares of Visa and I'm a big believer in that thesis, but they're late to the party on coming up with a convenient, secure solution. Mm-hmm. And I think PayPal is just going to keep quietly eating everyone's lunch. And before you know it, we'll all look back and say, oh, well, that was so obvious. <laughs> Keeping in mind they have different multiples over the next five years, which stock do you like better, eBay or Amazon? Joe? I'd take eBay the stock. I would take Amazon the business. Yeah. I mean, I own shares of Amazon already. I would stick with Amazon. I'm just uh, a little bit more fond of the the product, the whole experience. I know a little bit more about it, I think. uh, Shares of Southwest Airlines up 3% this morning on its latest earnings. Uh, Jason, I guess high cost of fuel is not a problem for Southwest, at least not in the latest it's quarter. It's a problem for everybody. It's, that's, you know, airlines, we talk about it all the time when these quarterly reports come in, and the airlines live and die by fuel costs. And just as last quarter, uh, you know, Southwest took a big hit mm-hmm. to their to their bottom line, thanks to some, some hedge contracts on, on fuel. You know, essentially, they're just you can't ever really predict the price. You can only try to plan for it. And so uh, this quarter, they they so they realized a little bit of a gain. You know, they plan for it, plan for it a little bit better. Uh, but but airlines continue to live and die by fuel costs. And if you back out that uh, the gains on those hedges, uh, they still performed well. They beat analysts' expectations by a penny. Um, you know, if you look at the the applicable metrics here, the ones that airlines typically look at revenue revenue passenger miles, uh, which is essentially. It's just a measure of uh, of how many passengers they're carrying around and how far they're carrying them. Uh, traffic is up. They're flying more flights. The the average plane fare per passenger is going up. So they're realizing a better situation there is, is in regard to traffic and fares. One of the big problems with Southwest, and I think it's going to be you know realized here more going forward as they digest this air train acquisition. You look on the other side of the coin here with American Airlines recently declaring bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Southwest has always competed on price. You know we've talked about it before. I don't really have you know all that much of a desire to go fly. Regardless, I know it's going to be kind of a just less than stellar experience. So Southwest just said, okay, we're going to make it 
a cheap experience at least and get you where you need to go. But with American Airlines declaring bankruptcy, uh, it's yet another one of the legacy carriers. And as a matter of fact, Southwest is the only legacy carrier out there now that has not had to restructure. But essentially, the courts go in there and streamline these operations. And so now Southwest's biggest advantage in competing on price is slowly diminishing. It's going away. And it's going to make it more difficult for them going forward uh, to keep their operating expenses in check and to remain as profitable as they are, which as investors, we have to keep an eye on that. So when we talk about Southwest, and it's a, it's a company we talk about a lot here at the company, uh, and it's certainly one that we've held up as sort of a, a model business, certainly in an industry uh, with, you know, as you said, there have been a lot of legacy carriers that have declared bankruptcy. Um, and yet, when you look at the stock, um, Southwest stock over the last five years is actually down about 40%. Um, it, has, it has lost to the market. Um, what do you think about the next five years? Well, I think looking even five years and beyond, I mean, we're, we're watching an industry that's changing exponentially. And, and the, I look at the auto industry as an example. You know, back in the you know, 1940s, 1950s, when the auto industry was booming, they were building a lot of cars, and you know, it was just a really you know, heady time for car makers. But that industry has changed significantly. Costs have come down. Foreign competitors have come in to compete on price. You know, we saw GM go bankrupt. We saw this whole thing. You know, Ford had to dig, the, dig their way out of a, of a you know, pretty deep hole as well. Airlines are entering sort of a new phase as well, I think. We are going to see more streamlined operations. They're going to be competing more and more on price. And I think they're going to become less and less profitable because of, of higher operating expenses. What once may be would have looked like an interesting investing opportunity for me personally. I look at airlines now with a little bit of skepticism. Uh, maybe Southwest is the preferable investment here, but I don't know that I'd be uh, investing in any of them right now. I am surprisingly optimistic. Really? Yes. I know that airlines have traditionally been where capital goes to die, <laughs> but I think you might see a similar story play out here like you saw with railroads where the economics were so bad for so long, eventually these companies had to use technology to become more efficient. They let a lot of people go along the way, along the way and they consolidated in a big way. And for a long time, they destroyed value. But once those pieces of the puzzle came together, you just saw railroad profits explode. And I think at some point, we might see that with airlines. You know, like, you're seeing consolidation at the low end with Southwest. American is going to go under, and it's probably going to get bought by another big legacy character or a carrier that'll probably go under along with it at some point. But and yet you're optimistic. Well, longer term, I do People think you're going to see right? you're going to see that consolidation that'll help on pricing. That said, have I recommended an airline stock to Ivy members? No. Uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but now it is official. Eastman Kodak filed for bankruptcy this morning. Uh, Joe, we were talking about this uh, before we started taping today. 1984, Eastman Kodak was the 10th largest company in the public markets in the United States. Now it's filing for bankruptcy. Why did this company completely miss the boat when it came to digital photography? Well, there are a lot of different moving parts here. As we were talking earlier, and Jason mentioned that they actually have an engineer who invented the digital camera. And what year was that? The guy, it was 1975. His name is Sasson. He was uh, just recently elected to the Consumer Electronics Hall of Fame. Oh, the irony. I yeah. Mean, the irony doesn't even begin. So a Kodak employee <laughs> invented the digital camera. I think at some point the Polaroid came out and really took everybody's attention, and so they shelved the digital camera. There's there no any, future in this. There's no internet or anything, so they just yeah. said, ah, this 
digital cameras probably just, you know. Yeah. It's, so it's, what happened, they ran into what Clayton Christensen would call an innovator's dilemma where they got out way out in front and they had this huge cash cow that they were milking and they used a lot of that money for R&D. But they developed this new technology, digital cameras, that while they could roll ahead with it, they chose not to because they wanted to get every last drop out of the cow. And in doing so, it treated them well for a very long time. They were huge. But ultimately, it also set them up to fail because while they were waiting to do that, you saw other people step in and develop those technologies. Now, I think a lot of people have learned from that. So if you look at like Amazon being a, a perfect example today, the Kindle is the exact opposite strategy of what Kodak did, where the Kindle was basically undermining their huge competitive advantage in shipping you know, physical books but they recognize that that advantage will ultimately be fleeting because all this stuff's going digital. Um, Joe, General Motors is a company that you follow closely. That's a company that went into bankruptcy and came out the other side. Kodak has secured close to a billion dollars in financing from Citigroup. What is the future for Kodak? Is there, are they going to come out the other side? And if so, what is the opportunity for that company? Yeah, I mean, they might, but I don't think there's much of an opportunity. I think the responsible thing would be to break it up and just liquidate Unlike a GM, where essentially once they shed all their legacy responsibilities and costs, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but once they you know, stuck it to bondholders and the <laughs> union, they were able to keep operating at a profit. Uh, same with a lot of airlines, or at least limp along. In this case, their revenue is off about 40% over the last five years. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to think that that's going to turn around. They should just sell the patent portfolio, which has value, and sell the Kodak brand to some no-name manufacturer who would probably be willing to pay something up for it to get a little bit of, you know, a premium the price on puff what they've got. on that cigar. But exactly. I mean, I just yeah, Kodak to me, it's like it's just sort of off into the setting sun. It's a it's a brand that was uh, much more applicable back when when we were shopping at Sears, I guess. But you know, to me, I don't even see how that brand holds any power at all anymore because it just they you don't even really know their big focus was cameras that's obviously gone and there's just so much time has passed and so many people have passed them right by so many companies have passed them by that i just don't know they could ever get that back you yeah. can always drop us an email radio at fool.com we got a timely email timely given all the bankruptcy talk we've had uh from mike zura uh he writes uh, would you guys be able to discuss what the appeal would be to buy stock in a company that has filed for bankruptcy. Has there ever been a company that reinstituted the same shares of stock coming out of bankruptcy? It's my understanding that the company will most likely issue new shares when coming out of bankruptcy. Yeah, so the process typically, the short answer is no, do not buy them. Um, overwhelmingly, when companies go bankrupt, the stock is canceled and people who own the stock before get nothing. So if you're thinking of buying Kodak shares on the cheap right now, do not do it. If you still own them, sell it before someone, you know, it seems like you won't get anything for it now, but you'll get even less in a few weeks. Because right now, the only people buying it are the ones who don't understand that, in fact, there is no residual value here. So I would just say, go ahead and get out as quickly as you can and just cut your losses while you can still get some tiny residual value. And I mean, a good real life example just recently was just, you know, looking at GM and they, they went through an IPO. Mm -hmm. uh, what was it? Just a couple of years ago, I guess. Yep. And um, I mean, that was an IPO for, you know, new shares of stock, a whole basically new entity. So, All right. Drop us an email, radio at fool.com. Jason Moser, Joe Mager. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank, Thank you. you. Check out Motley Fool Money this weekend. Our guest is David Novak, the chairman and CEO of Yum Brands. That's the Motley Fool Money radio show on iTunes. 
and on radio stations across America. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We will see you on Monday. Monday.